Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is taken from our gospel reading from St. Mark chapter 6 with an emphasis on these words. Jesus said, If any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are given an opportunity to interview for a dream job. Taking this position, your name is going to go down in history. You're going to be remembered for generations to come for the importance of the task that you're being given. Would you take a job like this? Would you jump at the opportunity to leave a mark? Now, it's a tempting offer, to be sure, but imagine now that during the interview process, your employer mentions this one little caveat. Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn, and to them I send you. Kind of knocks the wind out of your sails a little bit, doesn't it? Well, this is exactly the position the prophet Ezekiel found himself in in our Old Testament reading for today. Ezekiel, of course, is remembered for many great sayings throughout the Holy Scriptures, but most famously his dry bones prophecy, which served as a precursor to the coming revelation of the resurrection of the flesh that was made known to the people in Christ Jesus. Certainly, today, Ezekiel's name is numbered with some of the greatest saints to ever preach the name of the Lord. But what about in his own day? Well, maybe not quite so much. For you see, Ezekiel, he found himself in the unenviable position of having to proclaim the Israelites in the early days of the Babylonian exile, particularly to the kingdom of Judah, who was not in exile, and he had to warn them that unless they repented, and the worst was still to come. It's not exactly an uplifting message, and it was received about as well as you can imagine. Far from seeing the grace of God in action through his prophets, the Israelites frequently ignored, rejected, or even tried to kill the brave men and women who God sent to turn their stubborn hearts back to him. And why? Why this rejection? Why this persecution? Well, because their messages, like that of Ezekiel, frequently offended the people. Repent. Turn back from your foolish and destructive ways. The judgment of the Lord is upon you. Hearing this, the people were scandalized, and they drove the prophets out of their towns and villages. Many of them were even killed for their testimony. In times like this, I can only imagine how these prophets must have felt. Man, they surely thought, if only the Messiah were here, if only the Lord had sent him and not me. Someone with the power, someone with the authority to show these stubborn people the error of their ways the great uniter, to bring the people back together and turn them away from their sin and toward the path of salvation. The Messiah would know what to do. People would listen to him. 
entered Jesus Christ in today's gospel reading from Mark 6 as he ministers to the Israelites in his hometown of Nazareth. Now, St. Mark, unlike the other gospel authors, does not delve uh, so specifically into the content of Jesus' sermon in his local synagogue on that day. But we do know from their witness that the subject of his teaching on that particular Sabbath was a reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, in which he proclaimed the realization in himself of the forecasted year of the Lord's favor. Now, this would have been tremendous news for the people of Israel. They would certainly have been looking forward to the year of the Lord's favor. So while the sermon topic might have been well-received, what they were not ready for was for Jesus to begin pointing to himself as the meaning of this text. Unlike John the Baptist, who proclaimed, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus, in the early days of his ministry, was recorded as saying, The kingdom of heaven is here. It's among you. It is in me. Jesus knew that he was the very fulfillment of both of these messages, and the scriptures tell us he was not shy about indicating as much. And it's here that we see a stumbling block put forth for the people of Nazareth. For when they looked at Jesus, when they looked at this hometown boy, they said to themselves, here is the carpenter, the title that Jesus likely inherited at his earthly father Joseph's passing. Here is Mary's son. Here is the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and we're not impressed. For they had watched this young man grow up. He was one of them. And now here he was trying to say that he was the very Christ of God who would bring salvation to Israel. Give me a break. Though he he came proclaiming repentance and grace like all the prophets who came before him, still Jesus found no quarter with the Nazarenes. And the scripture told us that he could barely do a mighty work among them save for a few healings so that he positively marveled at their unbelief. Yes, friends, it seems that not even the presence of the Messiah himself was enough to undo the hardness of man's heart. And at his rejection at Nazareth, Jesus would be inspired to move his base of operations, so to speak, from his hometown to the southern city of Capernaum. Nazareth never quite came around to seeing the value in this man who they thought they knew so well. And yet, despite his rejection at Nazareth, the work of the Christ continued in the surrounding region as Jesus sent out his own disciples to preach and teach and perform healings in his name among the neighboring cities. The great irony in all of this, of course, is that those people, Jesus' own friends and family in the town of Nazareth, the ones who should have been the very first and foremost to receive him, instead rejected the good news of salvation. And why? Because his words offended them. Because they were so wrapped up in appearances that they could not help but be offended by the grace on display at the coming of Jesus among them. 
They were happy to hear the good news of God proclaimed to them by any old rabbi, but when it came to the Messiah, when it came time to see the reality of what God had promised laid before them, when they thought he doesn't quite cut it for us. Friends, in this instance, we see that the more things change, the more they stay the same. For though the Israelites between the days from Ezekiel to Jesus had suffered so many things and been carried through them all by their Lord God, exile, rebuilding, war, persecution, occupation, still they could not stir up in their hearts enough faith to receive their very Messiah, rejecting his salvation like so many of the prophets who came before him. Now, Jesus warned his disciples that he would not be suffering this rejection alone, but that all who minister in his name, beginning with the twelve who he sent out to the neighboring towns and villages, they too would know rejection. They too would know persecution for his name's sake. He tells them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, Shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Certainly these are hard words. I know that if I were one of the twelve, I would feel more than a little overwhelmed at this prospect. And friends, I'm your pastor. After all, who wants to be rejected or ridiculed or worse? Who wants to have to convict their neighbors of their sin and urge them to repent? If this prospect sounds as terrifying to you as it does to me, then, dear brothers and sisters, I have some news for you, and you may already guess what it is. As those who are baptized into Christ Jesus, you, like the twelve apostles, are given to carry his word to your neighbors. Now, certainly, you are not called and ordained to oversee the distribution of the word and sacraments in this congregation, but in each and every one of your vocations, God places before you countless opportunities to witness his name to your neighbors. And for as many opportunities that God places before you, each and every day will present you with new challenges and obstacles which get in the way of that witness. What do I mean? Well, Take the prophets once again as your example. Maybe like Moses, you find that you become tongue-tied when it comes time to give witness to your faith. Maybe like Jonah, the people that God has placed before you are somewhat unruly and stubborn and difficult, and you would much rather witness elsewhere. Or maybe like St. Peter, you tremble at the mere thought of meeting rejection and persecution for your faith. Maybe like Paul, you suffer some thorn in the flesh, some illness or obstacle or disability, which presents you from witnessing and working in the exact same way that your brothers and sisters in Christ of faith do. I tell you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there is not one of us here today who is a perfect mirror of Christ Jesus. For we all have obstacles. We all have shortcomings. We all have difficulties which would hinder the gospel were it simply our own power and abilities that were responsible for it to flourish. But friends, nowhere in the Bible does it say that it is by your power and your ability that the word of God will flourish. Thanks be to God 
that we go out in the command and at the behest of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with the help of His Holy Spirit who moves our hearts to faith and who moves our lips to confess His saving grace. It is not our power that accomplishes this, but it is His. Like the apostles, our Lord takes our meager, faltering efforts and He uses them to accomplish His own mighty works. Make no mistake, the way ahead will be perilous for the Christian. But though it be perilous, Christ has promised to preserve us in His name and He will not fail us, though we ourselves daily fail Him. For that grace that grace we just talked about, which so offended the world around us, the grace which offended the people of Nazareth and scandalized them so that they rejected Jesus, that grace which led the disciples through ridicule and beatings and rejection and death, that same grace promises us life and salvation by the merits of Him who has called us. For in Christ's own rejection, in His own suffering and death, the fullness of His saving grace has been made known to the world. For yours is a God who declares to you, My grace is sufficient for you. And why? For my power is made perfect in weakness. God knows what it is to be weak. For He Himself took on our flesh and was born into humility. He himself was rejected not only by the people of Nazareth, but by all of Judaism, by all of the world, as he hung on the tree of Calvary's cross. And from that position of ultimate weakness, God showed us his strength over sin, death, and the power of the devil. In suffering and dying, your Lord and Savior has accomplished the impossible. He has triumphed over death and the grave for your sake and for mine. This grace he has made known from the seat of the cross. And so, you and I as recipients of that grace, we now proclaim the goodness of him to all who would hear. We may trust that whether or not we are received favorably, still the Holy Spirit whom Christ has sent is able to accomplish what you and I are unable to do by our own strength. Therefore, let all insults and hardships, let them roll off you like raindrops. Shake off their slander and their ridicule like the dust off your feet. For as Christ persevered, so will he persevere you in the day of trouble. So will your Savior sustain you unto the day of the resurrection when you, along with Ezekiel, and all the prophets who came before you see with your own eyes the fullness of his saving grace, the year of the Lord's favor without end. Confident in this grace, let us follow in the footsteps of the bold apostles and witnesses who came before us, boasting all the more gladly as did the apostle Paul of our weakness, so that the power of Christ may ever rest upon us. In his most mighty name, Amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in this same Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.